Thank you all. So here we are already on December 1st. Does that seem crazy to anyone else? I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, 24 shopping days left until Christmas. I hear the, oh, there. I feel like months ago I saw these countdowns. There's 33 weekends to Christmas. I'm like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> right? It's, it, we hear those countdown numbers and these things start popping to our minds, right? Who's, who's left to shop for? Did I forget anybody on the list? What about the next door neighbor? Um, they got us something last year, so we better make sure we get them something this year. Um, how many presents did we get all of the kids? We have to make sure that we give the same amount of presents to every child. Right? Did we remember the gifts for the white elephant gift exchange at work? Wait a minute, did we get something for the mailman? Don't forget, we need stocking stuffers. And then there are all the things that we need to attend Christmas concerts at the kids' school, family get-togethers, office parties, friends' parties, Christmas parades, Christmas tree lightings, and don't forget the neighborhood ornament exchange. And then we have a meal prep to do. Who's hosting Christmas dinner? What are we cooking? Did we have enough food? Did we remember to make something vegan, gluten-free, and paleo for Cousin Anna? And then, of course, there's church. We slip into our seats every week exhausted. January 1st comes and we are stressed out and maxed out and wiped out in what's supposed to be a season of joy, a season of hope. This is supposed to be the season of God coming near. And somehow we've missed it. We've missed out on Jesus. And it seems apparent that hyper-consumerism has taken over the season of Christmas. Here are some staggering statistics. In 2018, so this is last year, world holiday retail sales broke all records and surpassed $1 trillion. In U.S. households, they spent an average of $1,536 during the Christmas holiday period, equaling $729 billion spent. That's just in the United States. 14.2% of Americans said they would need to sell their possessions to fund Christmas spending. And 82 million Americans, that's a quarter of the population, were in debt after the holidays. And then there's the stress level of people during the holidays. People that were polled, 69% of them said that they are stressed by the feeling of having a lack of time. Another 69% of people are stressed by perceiving a lack of money. 51% are stressed out about the pressure to give or to get gifts. And sadly, 45% of Americans would prefer to skip Christmas altogether. But what if there was something more? What if there was another way? What if we made the choice to ditch the hyper-consumerism? What if we stood up against the way of the world and took the season of Advent back for what it was meant to be, a season of worship, a season of reflection of the wonderful, amazing gift of God becoming one of us, a season of loving all. This is a quote um, from the book, The Advent Conspiracy, and it says, the heart of what we're truly searching for Hope, peace, love, rest, worship is buried in the seasonal chaos. Each step we take towards an overstuffed schedule and an overextended budget is one step further away from the nativity. A little over 10 years ago, a group of churches and pastors decided to resist against the world's idea of Christmas. And they called it the Advent Conspiracy. They decided to conspire with other believers. 
And they chose to turn from the world of spending and debt and busyness and decided to worship fully. Spend less. Give more. And love all. They took Christmas back. And since then, this conspiracy has become a revolution. So, Lifespring, we wish to take this same journey. We can reclaim this time of Advent as a time to worship the King of Kings in reverence and awe and wonder. Let us conspire together to find Jesus again in this season. Over these next four Sundays, we are going to challenge all of us to make some choices. To choose to worship fully over rushing around. To choose spending less over going into more debt. To choose to give more to the things that matter. And to choose to love all, the poor, the oppressed, the least of these, as Jesus loved. Now, I'm going to be sharing about worship fully today. But before we do that, I want to talk a bit about give more. So if you remember, I shared earlier the statistic about last year over one trillion was spent on Christmas. One trillion So I just want to put that into perspective. So it's estimated by the United Nations that it would take $30 billion a year to end world hunger. $30 billion. To bring clean water to the world, $150 billion a year. A fraction of what is spent on Christmas could end world hunger and bring clean water to the world. So what if we as a church body could spend less on the things that are temporary and give more to something that could make a difference? What if we radically took a stand against consumerism and used our resources for something with eternal value? So as most of you know, last week we launched Pastor Wayne and Cindy um, to plant a four-square church in the uh, nine-mile area of Spokane. And typically, when a church sends out a plant, they'll send out um, a launch team with them. It's a group of people that have dedicated to come and help this church plant. And sometimes that's just um, for a season. Sometimes that's to stay. But with this church plant being in Spokane, logistically, it's really challenging for us to send a group of people over um, to be a part of this launch team. However... We could all be a part of this launch team and launch this this church plant with our finances. So in your bulletin, there's a card. It looks like this. And we would like for you to prayerfully consider being a part of the launch team for Pastor Wayne and Cindy's church plant. So on this card, you can pledge to support the church plant on a monthly basis for six months or give a one-time gift. And at the back of the church, as you leave, you'll see there's a a gift wrap box with a slot in the top. And you can put your cards in there. Um, You could also give online if you'd prefer to do it that way. Um, But that box will be there for the next four weeks. It's going to be there throughout this series. Church, we want to be radical in our giving. Our giving will have an eternal impact on the lives of the people in the Nine Mile community. What better way to celebrate the birth of our Savior than by helping to launch a team that will be sharing the message of that Savior with a broken world? Lifespring, we can make a difference. How amazing would it be if years from now we could look back and see this thriving four-square church in the nine-mile community and know that because we gave more, we played a part in reaching the lost in that area. So please, I would ask that you would just pray pray over this. Like I said, the box is going to be back there for the next four weeks. I would ask that you just pray and have the Lord place upon your heart how you can support this team. 
And so before we move into worship all, um, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. Lord, this is a season to glorify and to worship you. Help renew our hearts towards you, Lord, in this season. Give us the ears to hear today, Lord, and the heart to receive what it is that you would place upon us today. And in all things, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, today we're going to be um, talking about worship fully. And worship is an expression of adoration to God. And Webster's defines the word worship like this. So the first definition is to honor or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power. And the second one is to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. I love that second definition. To regard with extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. So the word extravagant means exceeding the limits of reason or spending much more than necessary or lavish. So instead of all the extravagant monetary spending that happens during this season, what if instead our worship of Jesus was extravagant? What if we showed reverence and honor and devotion in a way that was lavish? Wouldn't that be a way to truly worship fully? I'd like to take a look at Jesus' mother Mary as an example of worshiping fully. Now, Mary was no one of worldly significance or title. She was just a small town girl in a small town world. Yet God chose her to be the one to carry the light of the world. He chose her to carry the one that would be the fulfillment of his covenant. And when Mary was first pregnant, you might remember that she went to visit her Aunt Elizabeth, who was also pregnant with John the Baptist. And it says in Luke that at that moment, when Mary greeted Elizabeth, the baby leapt in Elizabeth's womb. Right after this, Mary composed what is commonly known as Mary's Song of Praise. And it's a song of extravagant worship. So let's take a look at Luke 1, 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their throne, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is a song by Mary of worship and love and devotion to her God. Mary worshiped fully for the miracle that God had placed in her life. He has done great things for me. Isn't that an amazing declaration to the Lord? I imagine her singing the song, praising God with all of her being. She was worshiping the God that had chosen her, a young woman of no estate, to bear the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Would you please stand we're going to worship. And as we think about Mary's words of extravagant worship, let's just praise the Lord during this time for the things that he has done for us. 
just um, give a hand clap to the Lord this morning for that? You can be seated. He has done great things for me. Isn't that something we can all declare today? But Mary wasn't the only one in the Christmas story to worship fully. So let's take a look at Luke 2, 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, I just want to stop here for just a moment because I want to talk about these angels for a second. So verse 13 and 14 again, it says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Can you imagine what that looked like? To have one angel come, I think that'd be pretty amazing, right? But then it says, a company of angels came to join that one. So the NLT version uh, translated this way, the armies of heaven came. Can you imagine what that looked like? I just close my eyes and I picture like the heavens filled with angels. What that must have sounded like. And the angels knew Jesus. They might have been the only ones that truly understood the magnificence of what happened that night. They knew for what purpose God came down. They knew what he gave up to be Emmanuel, God with us. And what did they do? They worshiped. Verse 15 continues, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. That God chose to reveal the coming of the newborn king to shepherds in in itself is remarkable. Now, if I wanted to announce something important, something world-changing, I might try and figure out who am I best connected with that would be able to spread out this word, right? Who, is there somebody in the media I could get a hold of? Um, maybe I'd get Jesse, you know, whatever channel he's on, call Jesse. Maybe he could spread it. Um, certainly, I would find people with a lot of followers on Facebook and Twitter, right? I would find somebody reputable to share this world-changing story. But that isn't what God did at all. He chose a group of people that were outcasts, people that lived on the edge of society. They were despised as thieves and shunned by the community. Their testimony wasn't even allowed in court. God chose these people to announce the birth of Jesus first. And isn't that who Jesus came for? the poor, the oppressed, 
the sick, the downtrodden, the marginalized of society. God selected the very people that society would toss away, be the first proclaimers of the good news. And when the angels left, what did the shepherds do? Did they turn to each other and go, well, you know, this is a really busy season. We've got a lot of sheep here to watch. You know, I've got a lot going on in my schedule. I'm really not sure I can fit in this whole spreading the good news thing. Um, I'm not sure what these angels expect us to do with all this information. I really wish they came at a less busier time of year. No. They dropped everything. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They dropped everything and ran to find this baby, the Messiah. And what did they do when they found him? Verse 17 says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. Church, this is worshiping fully. These shepherds stopped everything they were doing and found Jesus. And then they told everyone. The shepherds worshipped Jesus extravagantly. Dropping everything and leaving your job to find a baby that an angel told you about? That kind of seems to be the definition of exceeding the limits of reason. But that's what they did. They dropped everything. They spread the word and they worshipped. Church, are we willing to just stop? Drop everything. Clear our to-do lists and our social calendars and go and find Jesus. Are we willing to pause from the frantic and chaotic pace of this season and just kneel quietly beside the manger and worship? And are we willing to share the good news of great joy with everyone? During this current season of 2019, what are we announcing with our worship? If Jesus is our rescue story, what are we doing to tell it? So we're going to stand again and we're going to worship. If you could stand, that would be great. <laughs> but as we're standing, um, I would like you to just take a minute and just breathe out the chaos and the busyness. And let's just stand in the presence of the Lord and just breathe him in. Can we just picture ourselves beside the manger and just worshiping?
Nothing else. Isn't that so good? Nothing else will do. So good. There's also a very different group of people that were seeking out the new king. And that was the Magi. And they came from Persia and Babylon looking for the new Jewish king. The word magi translated is similar to what we would call astrologers. And these were wealthy men of high esteem that would have followed the patterns of the stars. From the ancient writings of the Jewish people, the star they saw in the sky told of the birth of a special king in Israel. So they set out to find him. So Matthew 2 says this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? When we saw his star as it rose, we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. And after this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. The Magi searched until they found him. 
the Messiah, the king foretold by the ancient stories. They risked the wrath of a jealous, evil king to find him. And when they did, they worshipped. They opened their treasure, pouring out their wealth in worship of this newborn king. Some might have said they were spending much more than necessary. But they worshipped with all of their resources. They worshipped extravagantly. They worshipped fully. Church, how hard are we searching to find him? What are we willing to risk to seek his presence? Are we willing to be countercultural and turn our backs on the debt and the stress and the rushing around in order to turn toward the manger? When I think of all the years that I've heard the Christmas story, I think about how sad I always felt at the part where Joseph and Mary were turned away, right, when they came to the inn and there was no room for them, right? How sad it was that Jesus had to be born in a manger because the innkeeper couldn't find just one little space inside for them. And, you know, God recently spoke to this to me, to my own heart, Because when I am so busy and consumed by so many things that I can't take the time to worship Jesus fully, then am I any different than that innkeeper? When I fill up this season with stuff, I haven't made any room for him either. I was thinking of the Christmas carol, uh, Joy to the World, recently. And I'm sure most of us know this one well. We've sang it many times, right? Especially, of course, during Christmas. And I know that with me, I've just casually sang this song without really much thought. But I want to take a minute and just read these words. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Now let's listen to this one line, this one line. Let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. To prepare is intentional, right? It's something that you think about and that you plan. Now, my husband and I, we were just down in Arizona for Thanksgiving, and we were visiting my mother-in-law and our kids and our grandkids, and they prepared for our arrival, right? They made sure we had a bed to sleep on, towels in the bathroom. Um, My son even texted me to see what type of creamer I wanted for my coffee, I texted back half and half. He texted back, that's gross. But anyways, he, he still asked, right? He still asked. There was an expectancy for our arrival. And out of love, they intentionally made space in their home for us. We need to prepare Jesus' room in our hearts with intention and expectancy and love. We need to give more space for Emmanuel, God with us. We need to give the God of the universe that came down and became man to dwell among us room to dwell in our hearts. Let every heart prepare him room. Church, it's time that we take a stand against what the world would worship for Christmas. 
If our hearts are formed by what we worship, then shouldn't our lives be reflective of that worship? If in this season we are to worship fully, then we need to decide what the right worship event is for the birth of Christ. Is it standing in endless lines, crabby, tired, just trying to get the best deal on something that's not going to last? Is it running ourselves ragged, dragging ourselves from event to event? Or is it being intentional with our time and our attention and our resources and choosing to use all of these as an act of worship to Christ the King? During this season, shouldn't His light shine brighter in us? So this is Communion Sunday. And communion is such an intimate time between us and the Lord. When we worship fully, we come into His presence. Right? We come into communion with Him. So we are going to take communion a little differently today. In a moment, the worship team is going to sing. And this song um, that they're going to sing, actually, I, I heard several weeks ago, it was actually posted um, on Facebook by Pastor Tom. And every time I hear it, it honestly, it just brings me to tears. It's, the Spirit of the Lord just moves in this song. And I would like for you to take this time to reflect and pray on what it would mean in your life to worship Jesus fully this Advent season. Are there parts in your life that you have filled up with busyness and you just need to step back and allow Jesus to come in? During this time of communion, let us spend time with him, asking him to reveal to us those areas that we might need to give him room. And maybe there are parts of this season that over the years you have allowed to just become buried and die off. If so, let's ask the Holy Spirit for an awakening and a fresh anointing over those areas that he would want to bring back to life again. So on the back of your seat, in front of you, there are cards. And they look like this. So during this time, if God places on your heart how you could worship more fully this season, would you write it down on this card? You don't have to write your name. Just write down ways you feel you could worship Him more fully in this season. And then on your way out today, if you could place this card in the wrapped box, that is at the door on your way out. And we're going to make something out of all these cards so everyone can see the way God is speaking to us on worshiping Him more fully this year. So the worship team is going to sing. When you're ready, we have tables up here for you to come up and take the elements. So you can come up and you can take them up here You can sit up here if you want to. You can kneel up here. Or you can just take them back to your seat. This is a time for you to enter into communion with the Lord. Spend time in His presence. Seek His face. In His presence is where we're meant to be. Return this Advent season to Him. Let us be extravagant in our worship. For God so loved, He gave. For God so loved, He sent down His Son to become one of us. The Christmas story is the story of our Savior, our Deliverer, our Redeemer. Jesus is our rescue story. In this time of communion, Let's turn our hearts to him and worship him fully. Take me back to the garden. 
season that can become so busy in our lives, in our homes, at work, God. Lord, take us back to the moment that we heard your voice, God. May we still our hearts. May we worship you fully, God. Thank you that you are close, closer, as the song says. 
embracing you, God, and coming back to life. Lord, even as this season, God, where it's a, a joyous season,